I thank God for all the gifts in the body of Christ. Amen. The musical gifts and the voice and the pastoral gift and the apostolic gift and the evangelist, the prophet, the prophetic gifts, and uh, the teacher. Uh, we just thank God for his, his gifts to the body. And I've oftentimes, I've said this, and if I've never told you before, I'm going to tell you today. And if you heard it before, indulge me to say it again, that you are a gift to the body of Christ. You really are, and it's, it's important that we understand and recognize that. Well, Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be before your people, to share your word, uh, anoint my lips, anoint my heart, uh, let your peace rule me, Lord God, and I thank you and I give you praise in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I, I want to share with you um, a message that um, it's called Finish Well, uh, it's how to finish well, and this is the last Sunday in 2015. Amen. Amen. It is the last Sunday of 2015. Um, next week, we enter into a new year on the calendar of man. But how many are glad that you're on the calendar of God? Amen. <laughs> so, therefore, it doesn't matter what 2015 was like. 2016 is going to be the greatest year of your life. I, be, I really believe that. Sometimes you can just make those declarations because it's what to say. But as believers, we speak prophetically, right? And we, we believe, God, that this is the year of my healing. This is the year of my deliverance. This is the year of salvation to my children, to my home, salvation even to me. And so it's, a, it's the greatest uh, year. And so um, this message is called Finish Well. And uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 to... Let's start there, and if um, I'm going to read from the NIV and then the English Standard Version and then God's Word. There's so many different translations. So we have Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that great apostle. If anyone knows how to finish well, I think it's the apostle Paul. Um, we know how he started, right? The persecutor of the church, and he became one of the greatest defenders of the church, so... It's not how we start, it's how we finish. And that's what's important. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. The NIV, if that's the translation that you so desire and you read, it says this. Being confident of this. So the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, and um, he loves the church. And he begins earlier in uh, chapter 1 and speaks of a partnership with this church. So there's... There is a relationship, and one of the things that Megan and I, we teach in our relationship uh, course is that most relationships don't, 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 they don't begin a partnership, um, and that's where they need to be, but most relationships, when they begin, just really begin with two individuals that come together, right? But God desires a relationship that moves from just being two people coming together, male and female, to them actually becoming partners. And uh, it's interesting that the world calls any relationship, they call the partnership. That's why the world can define marriage and they don't blink an eye because in their mind, it's just simply a partnership, two people coming together. But biblically, we understand that partnership is based on God and what he has designed, right? And so Paul says to this church, we have this relationship that's not just two of us coming together, but we are partners. 
and uh, partnership first begins there's always always when there is healthy partnership you want to write this down there's first and foremost always protection in every single partnership there's always protection this word confidence can also mean to be open so when you're confident in something you're open you have no agenda you have no reservation you were totally open to that individual because you're confident in that individual's character so the goal today for a message is to build confidence in us right because we're going on a journey we're gonna go on a journey from confidence to the cross to completing our course and if you don't have any confidence you'll never see what Christ did on the cross and you'll never fulfill your course now some get to this point of where okay they have their confidence in God but they never get to see the totality in the work of the cross for that is what keeps them to finish their course right so in partnership, the number one thing you want to have in partnership, there always has to be an element of protection. Whether you form a covenant or whether you have it some sort of agreement, uh, the world uses a contract for that, but there's always some sort of protection that needs to be there, right? So you have a wealthy individual who meets somebody and they're wealthy. Most actors, when they get married, they have to sign a what? Penumptual agreement. They're like, we've got to sign this because i got all my wealth and I'm not going to open up my bank account to you. So we're going to have a contract, right? And so from protection, then, we now move into pleasure. So where there is true partnership, you go from protection to where there is pleasure. And isn't that amazing when you understand that God holds you in his hands, you find pleasure. And the Bible says that in his presence, there is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore, right? So individuals that have a pleasure or being in God's presence, they enjoy that. They know that they're protected from all the things of the enemy. So the first thing is protection. The next thing you move to is you got to move to pleasure. From pleasure now, you give birth to things. So from pleasure, you now come what you call procreation, or you create things, okay? And that's the reason why the definition of marriage has to be between male and female because that's the only way that you can actually create something. That's God's design, right? So once there's protection, you then lead to pleasure, and then you start creating some things. And so the Word of God right becomes that seed that engulfs inside of us and we give birth to something so you go from protection to pleasure to procreation and from there now you now get to partnership okay and so partnership now comes in the form of parenting or it comes in the form of a business together it comes in the form of two individuals that are in the same place and they're in agreement with each other okay so that is the cycle of relationship and look at the world the world now says well let's go backwards so the world says, let's begin with partnership, and they move it around this other way. And we've got to get to a place of where we understand partnership. So a successful church, a successful pastor is always in partnership with the people. He is a co-laborer of God's will, and he releases that to the people, right? So he's amongst the people. He's, he, he's not above the people. He's amongst the people. They're amongst the people. But they understand that God is the, is, the, is the shepherd. He's the chief shepherd, and I'm the under-shepherd that's leading. Does that make sense? So that's why the safest place on the earth is the church. So we have a world that's looking for a place that's safe, and they come into the church, but they have no confidence, so they're not open. I promise you, if you ever get a few hundred people who gather in one place, and they're confident in the Creator, God will perform miracles upon miracles that will literally blow your mind. Because we're open to what the Spirit of God is saying. 
So the Apostle Paul begins, and with all that in mind, he says, being confident of this, that he who has began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? It says, he who has began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Is, is that the full translation? Did I miss a word there in, in quoting that scripture? What word did I miss? Good. So it's not just a work. <laughs> it's not just God just doing a work, because that can become laborious, right? Because some of us go places we don't like to go, and we give labor to it, right? But he says that being confident of this, confident of what? He that has begun a good work in you shall be able to bring it to completion. What an amazing partnership he, 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 he expounds right there. So God is doing a good work in you, and he, God, will bring it to completion. We're ending 2015. And so God is saying, I haven't, I haven't stopped what I'm doing. That's why I can say with confidence and with assurance that 2016 is going to be the greatest year of your life because he that's begun a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. So if it's not complete yet, God is doing a good work. Amen. And so what do we have to do then in order to, to have this thing come to completion? I believe this is what we have to do. We have to see our comp- or we have to have our confidence in the creator. Meg, if you can come and help me. She's my, uh, not, not Vanna White, she's my Megan Anderson. So she's going to come and, and write for me so you can actually read uh, what's going to be up there. And so we're going to focus our attention now on uh, our confidence in the creator. Our confidence in the creator. So as we are leaving 2015, as we're stepping into 2016, I want us to understand we're going to go from here, confidence in the creator, to our confidence in the cross, to over here, we're going to complete the course, okay? So all of you, I'm grabbing all of you now, and I'm bringing all of you right over to here, okay? And then some of you, my prayer is all of you, but some of you, we're going to take you over to here. And then for some of you, hopefully all of you, we're going to bring you over to here to complete the course, okay? So the enemy's going to get nervous because you're on this journey that God's doing a good work in you, and he's going to complete it. Okay, so watch this now. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 4. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 4. We just finished celebrating uh, Christmas, and uh, I was talking to someone. They're like, yeah, they already got the spring clothes out in the stores. You know what I mean? They couldn't wait. And they already have the, the new style and new fashion in the stores. So pretty soon decorations are going to come down, and you're going to go back to the mall, and you're going to realize, what happened? You know what I mean? Well, it was seasonal, Rowan. That's it. But for us, we understand that Christmas is not just about a season. It's about a Savior, Right? And so with that being said, we can always look at this. So in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, listen to what Matthew writes. Because we spent a lot of time, for those who were here, we looked at Luke. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, look what they said now, where is he who has been born? born king of the Jews for we saw his star and we have come for we saw his star when it rose and have come to do what to worship him okay so when Herod the king heard this he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him 
and all assembling all and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born okay so we looked at the shepherds the shepherd came and they saw the savior and the shepherds went back in Luke chapter 2 and the, and the shepherds went and proclaimed it this is now progressing so Jesus now is no longer in the manger now he's actually in the house this time because when the wise men saw the star, it was a journey. So they saw the star in the east, and they went to the temple because they figured it's a king. He's got to be born in a place of royalty. And look at God. Watch God and how he operates. So they started their journey, right? So they're like, we saw, we've seen the star, and they go now to the temple. They go and they said, hey, where is he born? King of the Jews. So this is a couple of days after. He's no longer in the manger now. Watch this now. He's now in the house. And they come and they says, where is he who's born king of the Jews? So there's distinction now between him just being a savior. He's now showing us that he's also a king. And in recognize that he's a king, it's important for us to understand our confidence in the creator. Right? Because the Bible says that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so the wise men come and they said, and so we know the story. Here he gets all upset and finds out what's going on. And so they continue on their journey. And when they get to the house, the Bible says when they get to the house, that they worship him. So we have, we have people looked at these, as, as these wise men, as, as, as kings who, who had authority. And, and there was many reasons why they thought Herod was upset. But they came. And so here are people now who are in royalty, come to royalty, and they bow and they give their gifts to him. And so there's this worship that's taking place because they're looking at this king. Okay, so keep that in mind. We're talking about the king. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. 1 Timothy 1, verse 17. When you understand that he is king, this will be a declaration. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever and ever and ever so from the time you were born and you left the womb of your mother God has been king forever 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 2016 he will still be the invisible the immortal the only wise God who deserves glory and honor our children will honor and say to God be the glory and the glory and the glory and the children after that will be he will always be king he will always get honor he will always get glory he is the king of kings and the lords of lords and every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord but what we have to do then is to get you to recognize and understand what it means to have confidence in the creator the enemy's goal in 2016 is the same thing it was in 2015 for you to lose excuse me for you to lose confidence in God as creator he wants you to lose confidence in what God is saying to you and God's promises for your life okay so watch this now so there's three things we have to look at for God and to understand that, that he is the creator. The first thing is this, is God's provision. So right now, there, honey, God's provision. Okay? God's provision. So when the wise men, when they got to Jesus, they looked and says, here is God's provision for us. So the first thing to have confidence in God as creator, the first thing we have to have is to have confidence in anybody, is that God is your provider, his provision. 
Okay? So let's look at Genesis chapter 14. We'll take a look at Abraham. Right? In Genesis chapter 14, we're going to look at Abraham and see how Abraham found his confidence in God's ability to provide for him. Okay? Money is not uh, the greatest need, but it is a close second. Okay? And so where we have finance, we're able to do great things for the kingdom of God. Please understand this. When the body of Jesus Christ, when the disciples asked for the body of Jesus Christ, it was people of influence, people of wealth that was able to go and purchase the body of Christ. Okay? So it's important that we understand God's provision. And this is what we're going to do now. In 2016, you're going to ask God for more provision. Okay? Get this poverty mindset out of there because poverty is not helping. Okay? We're talking about a spirit of poverty. But we're talking about God's provision, what God does. And with people with great hearts and people who love God, if he brings thousands of dollars to you, you're going to do more to further the kingdom in 2016 than you did in 2015. Can someone say amen to that? Okay, there's a world that's looking for a place that's safe, and the church is the greatest place for them to come to, but we have to deal with this thing called provision. We have to do this thing called provision. And God's provision is explained right here through Abraham uh, in Genesis chapter uh, 14. Let me go there real quick. Genesis chapter 14. Read about Abraham. Okay? And as in my Bible, the kingdom talks about the battle of the kings. Okay, and so in verse 22, um, we, we look at this, or if, let's go back. So Abraham's uh, uh, cousin, nephew, Lot, is captured, okay? He's captured. These kings waged war, and Lot was there, and he captured them. And so Abraham, now, word gets back to Abraham, say, hey, they got your nephew. They got him captured. Abraham does this. He says, oh, we're going to go get him. That's, that's family. We're going to go get him. And Abraham with his 318 trained servants in his house. Abraham not only had, he had trained servants in his house. And with those dudes, with that, with that group of people, he goes in and battles and gets back Lot and rescues him and brings him back. And see, don't mess with God's stuff. See, when you pick a fight with God, you're picking a fight with someone you're never going to win. You will never win the battle when it comes to God. And so Abraham says they took Lot, and he went and brought him back, went and rescued him. Abraham, that great patriarch, went, and he brought him back. And so all of a sudden, he wins the victory over the king. So Abraham destroys the kings, and he brings back Lot. And now they want to honor him. They want to reward him. And this is the first thing I'm talking about provision. We must understand that our confidence is in God, our creator, and not in mankind. Because when man tries to prosper you, they'll try to control you. Right? And so it's important that we have to send that God's our provision. So if you're in leadership, if you're leading your home, if you're leading a company, you must always understand that God is my provision. That's who I look to. And in other words, then you depend more on God. And the more you depend on God, the more of his glory manifests. The more of his glory manifests because you're dependent on God. God is my provision, not man. No, no, God is. And so Abraham now comes and he says this. The king of Sodom said, hey, let me give you something. Let me give you a reward. You know, I'll, I'll give you this. And in verse 22 and verse 23, Abraham said to the who? The king of Sodom. So here is Abraham now talking to a king, person who has the means to bless him, the means to execute what he says. And Abraham looks at this king and says these words. And listen what he says. With raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord God most high creator of heaven and earth 
So in other words, if I take what you're giving me, that's not what I need. I need the one who gave it to you in the first place. So in other words, if you have God, you got everything. Don't limit yourself by taking this that's material and you miss the almighty God, the most high. And so here's what we need to do now. Let's be a people who are passionately pursuing the presence of God because we want his provision and not, see, we want his heart, not just his hands. You see what I'm saying? And so a lot of times they say, oh, the church just wants your money. No, no, we want to get God to you. It's not about getting your money. It's your heart that we want to, 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 uh, to, to get you to, to declare to God. It's your heart. And what this person was trying to, was trying to buy Abraham. And Abraham says, no, 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 let me, listen, I've made a covenant. I've made an oath to the Lord God. He's the creator of heaven and earth. What would your life look like if every day you woke up and says, God, I thank you for your provision, that you are the king over all the earth, and I look to you as creator of heaven and earth. Wow. That's powerful. Okay. And he says this, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, oh, good God Almighty. He closed the mouth of a king. I mean, when a king made a decree, you had to follow that decree. When a king spoke, what the king said had to happen. And so here's the king of Sodom talking to Abraham. And Abraham was able to close his mouth because he says, no, I serve a bigger God than you. And I will never let you be able to tell everybody else, I made that person prosperous. I made that person rich. So when God starts increasing the church, guess what? God gets the glory. Come on, somebody. It wasn't some slick strategy. It wasn't some manipulative marketing. It was simply a people who says, we want to serve the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. Right? And so it's important that we look at that. So we have to look then at God's provision. God's provision. The story continues that that here was that Abraham now, you know, through Sarah gave birth to a child. And God says, I want you to take your only child now. And I want you to go. And I want you to worship and take the child and worship on this mountain. And so Abraham takes Isaac. Couldn't tell his wife because he's like, what are you doing? Come on now. You, you can't do that. Abraham goes and he gets this mountain. And he goes and his son says, hey, 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 hey daddy, um, I see the wood and, and, and I see everything, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God himself will provide the sacrifice. And so he went ahead and laid Isaac down. And before he took the sword to kill him, God says, now I know no matter what I tell you, you will do it. So in 2016 gathering place in the body of Christ, we are not going to move by the voice of God and not by the opinions of men. You ought to write that down. We are no longer going to be moved by the opinion of men. We're going to be moved now by the voice of God. Because God's our provider. And the things that God is going to tell you to do is going to seem strange. It's going to like it's never been done before. But guess what? God is my provider. God is the one who I look to. God is the one that is my strength. God is the one. That is my source. Cannot say I made Abraham rich. No way. Uh Uh-uh. Going into the prisons, that wasn't because of Rowan. That was the favor of God. That was God opening doors. There are people already plowing that field before I got there. I'm just simply enjoying what other people have been doing. So it's God that's opening doors. God is the one that is making provision. Look for the open doors that God is doing. Why? Because we want to finish well. And if you don't understand that God, if we don't believe that God is the creator, God's our provider, we will look to everything else and we will be disappointed. We will be discouraged. 
we would think this thing doesn't work. Why? Because our faith wasn't in God's provision. It was in the faith of what we thought man can do. I told you earlier that, that I got promoted at the YMCI platform. I was like, God, man, I don't know. I got, I got nervous. And I said, there are people who have more skills than I do. Their resume is more impressive than my resume. And I was frustrated. Hey, babe, I was home. I was frustrated. And I'm like, I can't do this resume. And I'm already working there. They already know everything about me. And I'm getting mad, right? I'm just like, I'm getting mad because my confidence is being, you know, is, is, is being shot. I'm like, God, I don't know if I can do this thing. So I send off my resume and you know, they called me to the office, and, and I sit down for the interview, and he says, tell me about you. And I said, listen, I'm good where I am right now. So wherever I can make a contribution, that's where I want to be. If it's just right at the Welcome Center, that's great, that's fine, but wherever I want to be. And I was just sharing with them. And so they came back, and, and when they told me that I got the, the promotion, he says to me, he goes, man, that's one of the best interviews I've ever been in. And I'm like, God, guess what? It was God's provision because God said, Ron, your assignment of the why is not over yet. Your assignment to be there. There were times I thought about quitting, right, babe? I'm like, I can't do this anymore, man. I can't do this anymore. And I walked in. I walked in one day to tell him I quit. I walked into the why to say, I'm done. I'm quit. And because I thought they were, I wasn't doing a good, good enough job. I thought all this thing, the voice of the enemy was telling me. And I'm, I'm right there about to tell her, I quit. She says, before I can get my word out, she says, oh, yeah, we want to promote you and give you more hours. I'm like, what? I thought you were about to get rid of me. She's like, uh-uh, what? Get rid of you? What are you talking about? Let me tell you. Remain faithful to where God has you. Let me say this again. It is time for the body of Christ to move by the voice of God, not the opinion of men. It is time for the body of Christ to put our confidence, our provision in what God is saying and what God is doing. Right? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Stay faithful to what God is doing. Because no one can say that they have made us rich but God himself. God's provision. God's provision. And so here was on the mountaintop about to sacrifice Isaac. And he looks and God says, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the God who provides. So stay in an attitude and let your heart be connected to God because he has a ram. The ram was already sent and stuck in the thicket before Abraham even made up the mountain. That's how God operates. And so when you understand that God's your provider, God is the one that gives you provision, right? You will do great things for God. And look at this word. The word vision is in the word provision. <laughs> so God wants us to be professionals, pro, in seeing vision. It's the church that can see what's down the horizon. We prophetically can declare things that we can see. So the church lacks nothing. There is no resource that the church lacks. There isn't any. Because God has provided everything that we need. And so when the wise men came, they saw, it goes, here is God's provision. Emmanuel, God with us. So humanity needed a savior. God's provision was sending himself. Oh, what greater provision can we have than the one who can save us from our sins? God's provision. The second thing is now, is from God's provision now leads to God's promises. To God's promises. So second thing is God's promise. So in Joshua chapter 14, I love the story. Because for us who knows our Bibles, right, that God's provision was he got them out of Egypt. He provided for them. Got them out of Egypt, the children of Israel, they're on this journey. 
and they get to the promised land. And God said this. Watch this now. If you read your Bible, here's what God said. Go and possess the land. It was Moses who says, can we send spies out? That wasn't God's idea. That was Moses' idea. God says, you're at the place of harvest. Go now and possess the promised land. Because I promised it, not just to you, Moses. I promised it back to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Abraham told one king, God made me rich. So I've got to honor that word. And here I've kept my word. I've kept my word. I've provided for you. Even in Egypt, I've provided for you. Where there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. Come on, somebody. That God's able, I don't care what the economy looks like. Listen, God's economy is always flourishing. God's economy is always prospering. And why would God want to prosper us? So that people come and say, what are you guys doing? We trust in God. Do you know the whole world came to Joseph? Came to Joseph, who was elevated to a place of great authority. Came to Joseph, and Joseph was executing a provision, everything like that. And so here it is now that God says, go now. And God has given you a word, go now. Now, faith. Don't wait. Do it now. God's your provision. Go for it now. And he tells him to go and get the promise. Moses, hold on a second, God. Okay. Um, do you mind if I send 12 spies in to, to spy out the land? God says, okay, go ahead. If you need confirmation, go ahead. And he sends the 12 spies, and they go in, and, and they're looking around, and, and they get everything, and they bring back this bunch of grape that was so heavy that they had to bring it on a pole. And two of them brought it back, and here they come now. So they're bringing God's provision with them. Okay? So they leave the promise with the provision, and they go before the people. Remember I said, we've got to move by the voice of God and not the opinions of men. So they go, and they get the promise of God's provision, a land flowing with milk and honey. They bring the provision from the promise back to the people. And so Moses says, describe for me the promised land. Describe for me what, what does it look like. It's exactly what God said it was like. It was awesome. It was wonderful. It was great. It was awesome. But there is one problem. Um, the Amalekites, the, 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 the giants are there. And we look like grasshoppers to them. They didn't say that. What their testimony was, if you look at the book of Joshua when he went to take the, the promised land, the, who was it? The, 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 um, Rahab was saying, oh, when we heard about you guys, we were trembling. We locked up our city because we heard what God was doing and how you guys were destroying kings and kings and kings to come after us. So the enemy is afraid. So what he does, he tries to rob you of identity. He takes away the promise so that all you see is the problem. And so problems are simply given to you for a solution to see God's promise and God's provision. That's all it is. And so they saw the problem. They're like, hey, we see the promise. We know God's provision, but we see the problem over here. And it's one thing to discuss the problem, but when you meditate on that problem, you make it bigger than God. 
But um, there's, there's, there's sickness in my body. Okay, but no, no, no. Come on. God's promise is bigger than any sickness, any disease, any circumstance, any financial issue. God's promise is bigger. It says, let my promise be yes and amen. And so they come before the people and they ask the people and they said, oh my goodness, no, there's no way we can go there. We, we can't do that. And they wandered again in the wilderness. And they wandered in the wilderness. They wandered in the wilderness. Having the promise of God with them. They wandered around in problems. 2014 came. I still got this. 2015 came in. I'm here to tell you now, this is 2016. Stop wandering and start worshiping. Stop wandering and start to worship. And see that the promise that God has for you is still waiting there. Ten times they did that. Ten times. It says this tenth time they've been keep doing this now and so all of a sudden they're talking but here comes Joshua and Caleb who the Bible said had a different spirit and they said I know the problem exists see when the enemy can take the problem that's over here and bring it into the church come on somebody he said, keep the problem where the problem is. Let's get God's presence right here. We are the people of God, and we flow by God's presence, not by the problem of this world. And so he says, let's keep the presence. He says, I know the problem exists. I'm not denying reality. He says, however, though, we are well able to go and to possess the land. Because God is our provision. We are well able to, to possess the land. It's the promise of God. Listen, man, we were in Egypt as slaves. We're now free. It's time to go into the promise of God. God. And so Caleb and Joshua says, no, we can do it. But the 10 people, 10 individuals changed the destiny of a nation. And they wandered in the wilderness again. They wandered in the wilderness. And so everyone of that generation died except Joshua and Caleb. They didn't finish well. And here it is now that through Joshua's leadership, they step into, and some of you are not making that that step that the Jordan is now about to, 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 to separate and you're stepping through the Jordan you get into the promised land now you've been wandering for so long and you're like you know what I'm tired of wandering it's time to worship and they step into the promised land now right they step into the promised land and now here they are conquering kings they're conquering nations they're doing because God is the king they're conquering people and all of a sudden now in Joshua 14 Caleb says Joshua before we go any further he said, I don't know about this generation. <laughs> I don't know about this generation, but, but my generation whew, was, was given a promise. And so he said this, I was faithful to God. And now we've entered, and that was when I was in my 40s. Come on, somebody. But God has kept me alive these last 45 years. Mm. The promise inside of me have kept me alive. And now I am in my 80s. But I'm still as strong as I was back in my 40s. Come on, somebody. My God, Mother Cook, I saw you in prison and you were laying hands if you were still back in your 30s. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. She was laying hands on those inmates. I'm talking six foot two, 250 pounds. But when the Holy Ghost got upon Mother Cook, bam! Under the Holy Ghost. You got to understand, there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. 
There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. That's the word for those who labored in this earth. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. We need a generation that remembered what it was like to labor. Come on, somebody. There are people who have been laboring for marrying and for this nation. And so they're sitting there thinking, before I die, I've got to see the promise of God. God. I believe it was Anna who was in the temple night and day who was praying and believing God and God says you will see the Savior before you die. And here came Jesus by Mary and Joseph and brought him into the temple. She goes, oh my eyes have seen what I've been laboring for. And I'm here to tell you now when you see someone who's over the age of 70 or 80 years old you've got to honor them and say hey the promise still exists that we can work together. That one generation shall praise that works to another. Come on somebody. We need the generation that went before us we've got to honor them come on somebody I know we got new things but we got to get some time to the old school we got to get back to the amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a sinner like me we got to get back to those songs that pass me not oh gentle savior hear my humble cry while on others thou are passing don't you pass me by it was those songs honey that kept me going up I was an 18 year old boy but I was around some patriarchs who knew what it was like to pray and to worship God I remember our first experience trying to cast out a devil it was New Year's Eve and we wanted to pray and press in because I was from the world right and now I'm no longer in the world so I can't go to the clubs anymore so I said well let's pray so we had a bunch of young people and we came together and we didn't know that someone was going to come there who was demon possessed and they came into our midst and we're praying and we're believing God and we're shouting and I'm telling you that demon manifested itself and and, and I was like Lord what are we going to do now someone said let's call the mothers of the church and we got on the phone and we says mother we need you up in here now we got some we can't handle and the mothers came in like this what's going on in this place stepped in and we got around and we're holding hands together and they said if you're scared you can leave come on somebody and one by one all young people just start to leave they were going like what is this but that mother stepped in and says now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth you've got to come out you You've got to move by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood is against you. And as an 18 year old boy, I'm seeing mother operate. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank God for the generation before us. Caleb said, remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. And so he says, I'm just as strong as I was back then. We've got to bring two generations together. One generation knows like to labor. And another generation that knows God's favor. Your favor is coming because of their labor. Come on, somebody. And you've got to always honor those who have labored before us. Those who have labored and made the way. We're going to see the greatest revival in Mary, not because of what we did, but a generation before that's been laboring, that's been praying. And at the bed, before they went to see Jesus, they says, please now, son, please now, daughter, don't forget the promise of God. It didn't come in my time, but I know it's going to come soon. And so we've got to honor those and we've got to know, finish well because because of the promise that God has given to me. If you understand what I'm talking about, give God praise and give God glory. Caleb said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me. That's when he sent me. He's kept me alive. And he says in verse 12, but the Lord helping me, I will drive out, drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb. Here were two in the verses. Yes, I, I, I hear you, Caleb. I remember the promise, God's provision. So if we want to build confidence, if you want to have confidence to create, it's God's provision. It's God's promises. And finally, it has to be God's plan. 
it's got to be God's plan. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It is God's plans that we need to see. If you're going to try to battle kings, it's got to be through God's plans because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. 2 Chronicles 32, verse 1 to 8. 2 Chronicles 32, verse 1 to 8. This is where many of you are at right now. God, give me a plan. God, give me a plan. In a practical sense, we've got to make goals. God's goals, God's agenda, God's plan. With God's provision, God's promises, God's plan. What's God's plan for Marion? What's God's plan for your life? What's God's plan for this nation? That's why prayer meetings are a time of seeking God to get his plans and his direction for where he wants us to go. And let the Lord build the, the, the house, the labors in vain. Let the Lord guards the city, the labors watch in vain. It's got to be God's plan. We need divine strategies now from heaven and no longer from the boardroom of man. We need strategy that comes from God. And this is what Second Chronicles verse 32 and verse 1 to 8 says. King Hezekiah. And after these things, and after these things and these acts of faithfulness, referring back to Hezekiah's character, the king of Assyria came and invaded praise. The king of Assyria came and invaded Judah. Judah means praise. So once you're remaining faithful and you understand God's provision, God's promise, and God's about to give you the plan, the enemy's going to invade your praise. He's going to say, no, no, you can't praise. He doesn't. God inhabits the praises of his people. And so it's the praise. That's why when you come in, it's got to be loud. Not from the perspective of volume or noise. It's got to be loud because it just gives God praise. It's the shout. It's the shout that God wants. And so there has to be a shout that comes deep from your belly. And he said, and he camped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that the king of Assyria had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, Jerusalem means peace. So look at what the enemy is trying to do to take away your confidence. He takes away your praise to take away your peace. That's what he comes to do. To take away your praise, to take away your peace. Because if he can keep you like this for 2016, you will still make it to heaven because through the blood of Jesus Christ and accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but you will be miserable and you will influence nobody. So he comes and says, let's take away the church praise and let's take away their peace, the shalom. Right? And he says, that's what the enemy comes to do. He's seen that God is blessing you. God is providing for you. God is moving forward in your life. And all of a sudden now, he comes to take your praise and he comes to take your peace. And he goes on and says this. He planned. So look what Hezekiah does now. He planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city. And they helped him. Partnership. They recognize that if he takes one, he's taking all of us. And he says he will not take our praise and he will not take our peace. So they plan together God's plan. They said, let us now. And he says, let's get the mighty men, the warriors, the fighters. Let's go now and let's stop the water. Let's stop the resource. So they stop the water because the enemy can get to the water. He can refresh himself and revive himself. Let's cut that off because he's not going to get that. So we have a strategic plan now on how we're going to defeat the enemy that's trying to take our, 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 our praise and trying to take our peace. And he said, let's do that. And a great many people were gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brooks that flowed through the land, saying, why should the king of Assyria come and find much water? 
he set to work uh, and, and to build up all the walls. He made the resolution. He says, we're going to build the walls that were broken down. So there it is right there and raise towers. So here's what we've got to do then. So for credit, to have confidence in the creator, the first thing we've got to do, our labor, we've got to build the wall. Okay? The church is building a wall against each other, and that's what denomination does. Denomination builds a wall and separates us. He said, no, you've got to build a wall of defense. You've got to build the wall of defense. We've got to build the wall of defense, and that's our praise. We've got to build the wall. We've got to build the wall. That's our praise. We're surrounded by the praise of God. We're surrounded. Our peace is from our praise that we're surrounding ourselves with. Watch that. When you praise, every church here now praise and worship God. When, when, when Paul was writing the letters to the church, he said to the church at Philippi, he said to the church at Antioch, he said the church in here, there wasn't all this different denomination. It was the church in that city. Now, we have different expressions, but it's one church. And so when we build the wall. That's the wall. God says, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God's plan has always been to build his church. It's a defense system. It says the enemy cannot go against it. It's the defense system. And so once we build the walls, right, we're now safe in the power and the presence of God against our enemies. Someone say, I've got to build. I've, I've got to build. The Bible tells, I believe in the book of Ezra, that they were laying down the foundation of the temple. It said that the gener- when the foundation was finished, there was a generation who looked at the foundation and they were weeping. And there was another generation who was under 20 that looked at the foundation and they were rejoicing. And the Bible says that the, between the rejoicing and between the crying, you couldn't tell the difference. They came together. And that's what we have to do as we build this wall. We have a generation who's thinking, oh man, I remember what it was like back then in God's promises. But now we have another generation who's saying, yes, but God is doing great things now in our life and we've got to come together and not be divided. Why? Because our praise and the peace of God will bring us together. And so he says, what do we have to build? We're building the walls. We're building the walls that are broken down. We're building the foundation. You can't even bring a cross into some churches now. I mean, you got churches taking the cross down because it's an offense to people. And so they remove the cross. There's no symbol of anything like that. It says, oh, we don't want to offend anybody. I'm like, it's the cross that we have to elevate to a place of greatness. It's the cross. It's the cross. He planned with his officers and mighty men to stop the water. Great mighty people were gathered and they stopped. And he says, when he goes down, he says this. He, he, he says, and he built another wall and he strengthened uh, in the city of David. He also made weapons and shields in abundance. So the weapons of our warfare are carnal, but they are mighty through God that are pulling down our strongholds. So when we're worshiping, we're praising God, we're pulling down strongholds. God has given us weapons, the armors that we need. And he set combat commanders over the people and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city and spoke encouragingly to them saying, be strong and courageous. In 2016, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the hordes that are with him. For there are more with us. To talk like that, you got to have some faith in God. Come on, you can't talk like that, make those declarations. If you don't have confidence in God's provision and you don't have confidence in God's promises and God hasn't given you a plan. There are more with us than those who are with him. There's more with us than those who are with him. And he says this, with him is an arm of flesh. But with us, it is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence 
from the words of Hezekiah. Some translation says the people took strength. Some says people took rest from the words of Hezekiah. So watch this now. When God puts you in a place of influence, reason why you have to come with these characteristics is because you show forth the confidence that you have in God. That if you're leading your home in 2016, you're leading a church in 2016, you're leading a business in 2016, here's what you're going to declare why it's going to be the greatest year of your life. You're going to declare over your business, God, it's your business, you're the provider. God, these are your children, you're the provider. God, it's your church, you're the provider. And you're now going to start declaring the promises of God. You're going to declare the promises of God over and over and over and over again. You're going to declare the promise of God, and then God is going to give you a strategic plan on how you're going to be able to do that. Okay? Now, these three things, here we see them with the wise men. So they get to the house, God's provision. God gave them a promise, all the prophetic declaration, and God gave a plan how to get away from King Herod. In a dream. He said, don't go that way because Herod is trying to come kill the baby. Go this way. So the wise man comes to the king and gets all three of these things and was able to go. And why did he get all three? Because they came and they worshiped and gave of their gifts. They worshiped and gave of their gifts. And so what we need to do now is we need to see the cross and we need to get to the cross and we now need to go ahead and give worship to God and give praise to God like we never have given God praise and glory before. Because here's why, and I launched with this. Here's why. Jesus lived his life with those things right there. Jesus lived his life in God's provision, God's promises, and God's plan. He lived it to the fullness. And it was, all of this led to God's plan, which was the plan of salvation. And so here it is now that everything Jesus did, everything he did led to the cross. He came and he said, the cross is God's plan for the redemption of mankind. It's the cross. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. And as Gary just said as I was ministering, it's always been offensive. It, it will remain offensive. To, 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 to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greek, it's foolishness. But to us... Oh, my God. See, to us, we hide behind the cross. Come on, somebody. It's, it's the blood that was shed on the cross. The Bible says he disarmed the enemy, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. And so Pilate now, Pilate now says, let's put on. So there was a star, then a sign. Good God Almighty. He went from the star that led to the cross. To the sign that went to the cross. And so here the star led the wise men to the cross. Come on, somebody. But the sign now leads us to the cross of salvation. The star led to the Savior. The sign leads, leads us to salvation. And Pilate says, write on the sign in every language. In Hebrew, in Greek, in Aramaic, write, King of the Jews, come on, somebody. So the wise men started and says, where is he born, king of the Jews? Good God Almighty. Pilate ends by saying he is king of the Jews. Come on, somebody. So if we are going to make it in 2016, we've got to see the king in the manger. But we have to also see the king and the Messiah. And we've got to get behind the cross of Jesus Christ and say the cross will always remain 
the central focus of our life. It is the cross. It is the cross. It is actually the creator's cross. It's the creator's cross. And so we look to the cross. And he says, right, he's king of the Jews. He is king over our lives. He is king. So as I launch you out in this, thank you, Jesus. Where are you on this journey? Where are you on this journey? We have a pastor here. What the world needs, the provision for the world is Jesus. We, we know that. They need God's provision. Always declare God's provision. And I pray that in 2016 that God's provision will be elevated higher than ever before, that people see God's provision. If you're here and you've experienced God's provision, I want you to raise your hands. If you experience the salvation of God, come on, and you, you know God is provider. You know it. Come on, and not just worship and praise him. Let's not think that was light. That was, he went on the cross for your sins. And God's provision, God's provision. Right there in the garden, Genesis 3, 16, it's right there. God's provision, you see him as Savior. You see him as Savior. You, you went to the manger, you see him as Savior and and God's provision, yes, I am a savior. And, but we've got to go deeper. How many of you see God's promises in your life? Can you see the promise that God has for you? Hold on, Karen, to the promises of God. Though none go with me, yet I'll still go. God's promises are true. God is not a man that he should lie. If he promised you, he will bring it to pass. God wants you to complete your course. Yes, he does. But he says, you've got to hold on to my promises. God has promised a revival in Marion. And I'm telling you that there are people incarcerated who are declaring and praying and believing God that Marion will be free. It's God's promises. Come on, somebody. God's promises. God's promise. We've got about 10 more minutes. I want you to get that promise in your mind. Get that promise. If it's healing, it, the healing is right there. This is your year. This is your year. Guess what? You can still receive your miracle before the end of 2015. You can still hold on to God's promise. You can step into the new year rejoicing. Step into the new year magnifying God. It's God's promises. God's promises. They got there. And so their confidence in the Messiah caused these kings to open up their hearts and gave blessings. They opened unto them their treasures. They were so confident. This is the Messiah. It was talked about before, but this is the Messiah. We saw the star, and now we're looking at the Savior. And God's promises are better than anything that I can bring. And so what is it that you have to bring before your Savior? What is it that you have to lay before him as, a, as, as an act of adoration and worship and, and, and magnification? Go ahead and lay that at his feet. Go ahead and just lay, the, lay them at his feet because God's promises are true. God's promises are true. But see, God's promises, not only have you seen him as Savior, God's provision, but God's promises, now you see him as Lord. 
you see him as Lord so from Savior to Lord but here it is right here God's plan God's plan is when you see him as King you see him as King he's crowned as King you see him because the Creator's cross you see him as King God's plan is for us to receive a great inheritance God's plan has always been the redemption of mankind for us to walk in that place of perfection that God had for us so father we thank you right now in the name of Jesus church and a count of three we are all going to leave here and we're going to head to the cross we're leaving no one behind everyone that's in this place we're all going to make it to the cross because it is the cross it is a cross where we see him as Savior, we see him as Lord, and we see him as King. It is the cross. And so every one of us, we're leaving, and we're making the way over to here. And it's the cross. It's the cross. It's, it's the cross. It's the cross. If you're able to change your position here, I want you to to stand with me come on and we're going to worship and we're going to magnify the Lord God Almighty hallelujah 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 bring strength to Gary's body Lord God I thank you in the name of Jesus my God, every gift that's inside of him, I pray now in 2016, he'll see greater things he's ever seen in his entire life. In the name of Jesus, revelation, Lord God, that comes from throughout the night. There will be nothing that will hinder him from progressing into what you have for him, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, a refreshing, a downpour, and just like it's been raining today, Lord God, let there be a downpour of revelation to him, Lord God. In the mighty name, I give him a Caleb anointing, Lord God, to say, God, I remember the promises that you've given to me. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord God Almighty. Come on, come on, worship God, worship God, worship God, worship God, worship God. Come on, lift up your hands, my God, in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, I have called you. I have called you. I have called you. I have called you. Come on, church. Invite. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
worship, 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 flow, flow, flow right now, flow, flow prophetically, flow, 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 flow in the name of Jesus, flow, flow, come on, come on in this house, flow, 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 hallelujah, come on, come on, come on. Come on, flow, Kim, flow. Flow, Pastor Craig. Come on, flow. Flow in the Holy Spirit. Flow in the Holy Spirit. Come on, flow in the Holy Spirit. Flow in the Holy Spirit. Come on, flow, flow. Come on, flow. Flow, Pastor. Flow, flow, flow. Hey, receive it. Come on, flow. Flow in the Holy Spirit. Receive his provision. Receive his provision. Someone over here, receive the provision. Receive the provision of God. He's making you rich. He's made you rich in Christ Jesus. You're rich. You're blessed in Christ Jesus. See that you're rich. I come against that spirit of poverty. I come against that spirit of lack right now in the name of Jesus. God, your provision. Your provision. Your provision. Your provision. Come on, church. Flow. Flow. Flow.
something that you normally don't do if it's come to an altar to pray if it's be seated where you're at but I want you to do something you've never done what I mean by that if you're not accustomed to raising your hands go ahead sing out go ahead raise your hand, wave your hand whatever that is if it's to declare the promise of God over your life do that but I have a heart for unity. I have such a heart for unity that we all go in together. That we all go in together. Hallelujah. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the ten whispers of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you it's who I am it's who I am, it's who I am. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide and you know just what we need before we can say a word you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am 
am and Lord you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways to us cause Lord you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways to us come on one more time you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am you are perfect in all of your ways father we thank you you are perfect in all of your ways we thank you you are perfect in all of your ways to us you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways to us thank you jesus Thank you, Father God. It's exactly 12 o'clock. But I know in my spirit that many of you are saying that he is king. You notice in the story, every one of those, God's promise, God's provision, God's plan, there was a king involved. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. From the bottom of our hearts, from Megan and, and my heart, and from the hearts of the pastors of this great growing church, the gathering place, we want to declare to you a prosperous new year. We want to declare the blessings of God over your life. God is so good that uh, from the time we started this assignment, he brought people in who remembered us from Victory Center and from Ridgewood, pastors here and, and some of their staff. And I remember when we did a preach, that was probably maybe 15, 16 years ago. And here it is that God is letting me see that the promise and what he's done is still there. Don't you ever give up on God. Let me declare healing over your body right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. Father, I declare the healing power. We don't pray for healing. We just declare healing. We declare healing right now over every ailment, every sickness in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. Give a word of knowledge. Yes, Lord God, we thank you for your healing. For your healing, Lord God, in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.
greet someone in the joy of the Lord. God bless you. It was such a joy to be before you. And we pray that you'll have your confidence in your creator. In Jesus' name.